0: That's a long <clears throat> transition video. <laughs> morning again, if you have your Bibles with you or you have your Bible on your tablet, you can go ahead and open them up to Acts chapter four, um, because once I get into the to the reading into the scriptures i'm going to it's going to be real quick, so just have those in ready, and I will be uh, reading from that um, shortly um, and Just to caveat this morning as you're turning to Acts chapter four um, as i as I bring this morning's message, I just want to uh, let you all know that this, this message is for me. Like, if, if I were sitting or you're sitting this morning, I would be like, I needed to hear this message. And so I just want you to know, as I dive into this and I jump into this, um, this message is just as much for me as it is uh, for everyone here this morning. And if you are here with us this morning and you're visiting, this is our second week in the series that we're calling Generosity. And um, I think when we often think of generosity, we think of... Sacrifice. We think, oh man, I'm going to have to sacrifice something. I'm going to have to give up something. And that statement is genuinely true. Um, but to be generous, we know uh, that something in our lives we're going to have to give up. We're going to have to sacrifice something. And usually when we think about that, we, I, I think we think of the of the three T's. And those three T's are time, talent, and treasure. And maybe you've heard of these um, and I, I believe those are three critical areas in our life where we need to be generous. But we're not going to be talking about these today. And some of you are like, oh, thank goodness. I've heard this sermon. I'm, I'm glad. Thank you. Um, the thing I do want to talk about today is not about sacrificing your time, your talent, or your treasures. It's your talk. It's, it's being generous in your speech, the way we talk, the speech and our speech. And you, and you say, Andy, uh, how do I make a sacrifice in the way I talk? The way I talk is the way I talk, right? Well, it, this one may require that you lay down your pride a little bit. And so many of us, laying down our pride is an extremely difficult thing to do, right? But I believe when we do this, it has the ability to change the world. Let's pray and we'll dive into God's word. Father God in heaven, God, thank you. Thank you for this morning. Thank you for just our incredible time of singing and and worship and, and for communion and offering time. God, we are so thankful that we could celebrate that this morning and God, just as we prepare to hear your word this morning God we pray that you would um, speak into our hearts and our minds and that you would allow us to grow closer to you this morning. God thank you for the opportunity we have to be here again this morning God we love you and it's in Jesus name that I pray amen so the you guys might have heard the, the great 19th century evangelist D.L. Moody he told a story once and it goes like this: there was a there was a little boy who was on the top of a skyscraper. And the skyscraper had caught on fire. And there were flames shooting out, and it was just an extremely, incredibly hot fire. And in fact, uh, one firefighter, as the firefighters were trying to, to put out the flames and, and make the fire uh, go away, um, one firefighter, he got out a ladder. And he was climbing up, and he was, he was going to go and try and save the boy. Who was trapped at the very top of the skyscraper, where the flames were the hottest, they were the most intense and and as the firefighter climbed the ladder and he got toward the top the the wind uh, increased incredibly, and there was an inc- incredible gust of wind, and the fire and the flames and the fire got even more hot and more started to spread even more and and the, and the heat increased as the firefighter climbed the ladder and and as the firefighter's climbing, he thought to himself, there's no way I'm going to be able to come back down on this ladder with this boy. There's just no way. And as this started to happening, a crowd started forming at the, on the street near the, near the firefighter at the street level of the skyscraper. And they realized what was happening too. And, and, they, and they saw that he was struggling. He was struggling through this fire. And so one of them said, hey, let's send up a cheer. Let's encourage the firefighter and so the crowd started cheering and if you can imagine this they're all yelling you can do it go get him go save that boy and everyone's, everyone's cheering and encouraging him and as they cheered this put kind of a wind in the firefighter's sail to go and save the boy his courage built up inside of him and he fought back the, and as he fought back the flames and he grabbed the boy and he brought him back down to safety and needless to say as you hear that story Just like the cheers from the crowd that, that you heard at the bottom of the skyscraper, words are powerful. Your speech is powerful. Your talk is powerful. In fact, I believe it can change someone's life. Isn't it strange when you think about this? A combination of 26 letters can steal someone's heart and captivate their soul. And even stranger that, a combination of the 26 letters can make someone's eyes filled with, te- filled with tears and give them enough pain to last a lifetime. It's been said that words are the singularly, singularly most powerful force available to humanity. We can choose to use this force constructively with words of encouragement, or destructively using words of despair. Words have energy and power and the ability to help to heal, to hinder, to hurt, to to humiliate, and to humble. Words, they are incredibly powerful. King Solomon said in Proverbs 18.21, The tongue has the power of life and death. So the question for you here today is, how is your talk? How is your speech? How are your words? Are you using your words like bullets to tear down and destroy parts of people's lives? Or are you using your words generously to plant seeds, to inspire and to encourage greatness in other people? This morning I want to encourage you to encourage others. I want, you to, encourage, I want to encourage you to be generous with your words. I believe if we as a church can be generous with our words, that it can actually impact our community and ultimately our world. For some, it's going to require you to lay down your pride, but I believe that we can all do it. Everybody in this room has a name. We were all born with a name, right? And there might be a story behind your name. Some of us have nicknames, right? Um, And some, maybe some of you were named after your grandfather, or maybe an ah, or someone... um, (coughs) maybe a friend or an uncle or something. And, and many of us have nicknames, right? And there's almost always a story behind a nickname, isn't there? It may be something that happened to you in college. Um, maybe it's a, a, a story that's good. Maybe it's a, a bad story. You got it because of something maybe stupid you did in high school or whatever it is. Maybe you got it because of um, an incredible ability that you have that no one else can do. Or maybe it was a, from a mistake a mistake you made. You know, for me, um, my real name's not Andy. My um, my, I was my real name's Andrew, and the only person that is allowed to call me Andrew is my mom, and and I know when my mom uses my nickname Andrew, I'm in a lot of trouble, um, because normally she calls she calls her my mom and my dad always call me and they just call me and and um, but almost everyone always knows me knows me as Andy, and I got my name. My grandfather passed away the year that I was born, and his name was Andy, and so that's how I got my nickname, and that's how I like to let everyone know who I am. So don't call me Andrew, that's only allowed for my mom, and I know I'm in trouble when she uses it. But the probably one of the most unique nicknames I've ever heard in my life, and we have all, most of us, I would assume, have met this person, it's our senior pastor, right? We all call him Fat Rock, right? His real name is John. It's not Fat Rock, and um, but uh, I I love his nickname, and he's a crazy story. And he, if you ever sit down, he'll tell you all about it. But I, um, I love when I go to serve at at Providence Elementary School right up here up the road. The um, Dale, who runs the PTA, she, uh, she, she is just flabbergasted that his name is Fat Rock and that everyone actually calls him that. And I love to go with John over to Providence because. Dale will be walking around the hallways and she'll see someone she knows and she says, you got to meet my friend. His name's Pastor Fat. And they're like, Pastor Fat? <laughs> and they don't know that it's P-H-E-T, but she calls him Pastor Fat. And I love that. <laughs> it's so funny, but she's excited about that. But, um, but, but we all have nicknames. We all know someone who has a nickname, right? Well, there's someone else in the Bible who also had a nickname. And, and he was known as the encourager. The encourager, um, and this guy lived about two thousand years ago, and we read about him actually when the church first began. And in those days, there um, there were people who were serious, who were seriously um, poor. Like they were, they were just incredibly poor back then. But the church was committed to providing for these people's basic necessities, and we and we read about that. As we uh, read in, in Acts chapter 4, and I want to read a little bit from it. Acts chapter 4, 32 through 37, if you're following along. It says, All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all. And there were no needy persons among them, For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. Joseph, a a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned, and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. People in that day, in that movement, they they didn't stay needy there there was they didn't stay needy if someone had had a desperate need in those days they didn't stay desperate someone stepped up and helped and i i love the the verse in there it says there was no needs there, there were no needy people that's an incredible verse if you think about that right people who owned land and houses they sold them and gave the proceeds to the church back then people didn't live as they owned their stuff they lay they lived as if God as if God owned the stuff, and, and they lived out God's heart for the poor, by giving their resources freely. And sacrifici- sacrificiously. and that's where we meet this guy named Joseph, right? We're reading this, and, and Joseph comes on the scene. He came from a small island called Cyprus, just off the mainland of Israel. And he had a family that lived in Jerusalem. And so he was, he was going back and forth all the time, right? And, and all of a sudden, he found himself in this movement, in this Jesus movement, called the church that we, that, you, that we read about for the first time in Acts, right? And the people of the church, they gave him this nickname. And they called him Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. Something interesting here is that, is that we read about Barnabas, right? As you continue to read through some of the Paul letters and different things, um, you, we see Barnabas mentioned several other times throughout the Bible. But, but this scripture in Acts chapter 4 is the only time he's referred to as Joseph. He's always called Barnabas from here on out. It's kind of like this. Um, you guys all are familiar with the great basketball player Magic Johnson, right? Um, and he's like one of the best basketball players ever to play the game, um, but his real name is Irvin. And so, and so we never say, "Hey, can you believe, can you believe that amazing hook shot Irvin Johnson made?" last night no we never say that right we say man did you see that play that magic made it was awesome right and we automatically know that magic johnson was the person who made the shot because that's that's his nickname and this is kind of what this is like here right the author of acts who was Luke thought we should know exactly who this joseph is and that he was a person of generosity and encouragement financial generosity is encouraging on a, on a couple different levels right it, it deeply encourages those who receive the gifts but it also encourages those those it also encourages those that we should give generously and that when we see other people give generously that we can say hey i can do that hey that's not too bad right if if that person trusts in god i can trust in god like that right and what we read here is that several people in the bible sold their land to raise money for for needy people within the church. We should also note that in the early days of the church in the book of Acts, that God was, was powerfully at work here. People's lives were being changed every day. Needs were being met every single day. Miracles were being done. And the church was growing incredibly fast. But while the church was growing, not everyone was excited about this growth. There were people who actually believed that the growth of the church was dangerous to the culture around it. And one prominent leader in the church was actually stoned to death by an angry mob. In Acts chapter 8, it describes a wave of persecution, and it was so serious that many, many believers fled Jerusalem to neighboring regions where, where they could feel safe, where they were safe. And one man in particular was noted, for wanting to put an end to this Jesus movement, and his name was Saul. You might have read about him a little bit. Saul was a hater though, right? He was, he was a card-carrying Christian killer. Saul loved to, to link up with local authorities to obtain warrants to arrest them and lock, and lock up these Christians. If Saul showed up in your town, you knew that your livelihood was in jeopardy. And in fact, if you were a Christ follower, you knew that your life was possibly in jeopardy if Saul showed up. And then, and then we fast forward to Acts chapter 9, and, and Saul goes on a journey. He goes on the road to, to, to Damascus. And, and on this road, he goes on this road to Damascus, and he's got this thought. He's going to go, and he's going to be imprisoning more Christians. But something crazy happens on this road. Saul encounters Jesus, or Saul encounters God in a highly unexpected way. There's a bright light, and he gets knocked off his donkey. And God begins to speak to him, and he asks Saul a question. Why are you fighting me? Why are you persecuting my people? And long story short, Saul ends up becoming one of the the Christians that was trying to eliminate. He he ends up becoming a a Christian that he was trying to eliminate, right? It's a crazy twist in the story, but he ends up teaching and telling people all about Jesus. And after a while of doing this, Saul decides he was going to go back to Jerusalem and join the church there. And he wants to connect with the faith community right where it started. Now, if I were a Christian in Jerusalem and I heard that Saul was coming, I don't know about you, but I'd be thinking, oh no. I, I, like, I'm in trouble. Uh, like, has, has Saul lost his mind? And does Saul think I'm stupid? He thinks he's, he's going to trick us to come here? No, he's coming here to kill us all, right? Well, that's, that's what I think, right? But let's, let's read what. Um, what the people of Jerusalem were actually thinking. We find that in Acts chapter 9, 26 and 28. It says, When he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them them how Saul on his journey had been the Lord. And that excuse me, and that the Lord had spoken to him, and how in Damascus he had preached fiercely in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of Jesus. So here's Saul. He's, he's, this, he's in this incredibly vulnerable position, if you think about this. And, and, and this is a job for Barnabas, right? And, and Barnabas steps up right? Like no one believes Saul. Like not even the leaders of the church at this point believe Saul. No one trusts him, right? Not the apostles, not the leaders of the church, no one. And, and this is where the encourager comes in, right? Barnabas, he steps up. This is a job for him, right? He steps in and embraces Saul. And he believe, or Barnabas believes Saul's story. He trusts Saul and he actually stands up for him. He personally arranges a meeting with the leaders of the church and even vouches for him. While other disciples were putting up walls, Barnabas was interested in building bridges. And at this point in the Bible and in our own world, uh, this is a huge turning point, right here. You know, it's because of Barnabas, Barnabas's brave stand to stand up for Saul, that the church embraced him. You see, hundreds of thousands of people ended up following Jesus because of the work and message that Saul brought. We're sitting here in this room today in large part because of the work of Paul. Amen? He and Barnabas end up going from city to city, calling on on the people of God to start new churches. Saul ends up changing his name, name to Paul, and God calls on Paul, who ends up writing a significant part of the New Testament in our Bibles. And, and that leads me to my next question. What if Paul didn't have an encourager in his life? What if there was no one there to encourage him? I tend to think our world, our church, our community would look a lot different. I cannot stress enough how much, how vital encouragement is in all of our lives, not just, not just Paul's. All around us are, are people in despair. When we go to work, When we go to school, people are in despair. They're in need of someone to believe in them. Someone who will give them a second chance. Someone who will believe in them. Someone to see their potential and stand beside them. I can imagine this morning that that some of you may have been in Saul's shoes before. You feel like you need somebody to stand up for. Or someone that needs to stand up for you. To vouch for you. To believe in you. You know, I stand up here this morning, and I think about uh, 13 years ago in my life, I could have never imagined myself standing up here at Huntsville Christian Church preaching uh, a message of Jesus and of God. I was, I was actually still serving in the military at the time, and I was actually taking some business courses at a, a local community college. And I was going to, to church, and I remember um, me and one of my other buddies, we would help out on Wednesday nights. And we would come in and do whatever we could. And, and one week, the, the youth minister that was on staff there, he was out of town for, for whatever reason. And I remember he said, hey, would you, would you be willing to teach a lesson on Wednesday night? I said, yeah, I'll try my best. I can't guarantee anything, you know. Um, and so I did the lesson, and the and word got back that I did a good job. And so he started asking me to teach a few more lessons, and I would, would go and do that. Um, and I remember one week after, and he was there this one week that I, I did the, the message. And I remember one week him coming up, coming up to me afterward and saying, "You did an incredible job teaching that lesson." And he looked at me straight in the eye and he said, "You should become a youth minister." And I'm thinking, "Yeah, right, buddy." You know, I'm like, I'm like "You're out of your mind." Like, I'm 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 going to do something with business. I'm, you know, I like doing all that that kind of stuff. And he said, "No, I'm serious." He's like, "You did a great job tonight. You connected with the students. Your lesson was great. It was on par." You should really think about becoming a youth minister. Well, 13 years later, here I stand. But the, but the thing is, is, is uh, an, an opportunity, a chance, turned into uh, being asked to speak at camp, which turned into going to Bible college, which turned into uh, uh, working at a church full-time in youth ministry, which turned into an opportunity to speak on Sunday morning, which turned into coming to Huntsville and speaking here. And and here I am, and, and all it took were, were words of encouragement, an opportunity given to me. You you see, teaching um, teaching like that, like it, it just it was not, it was just an opportunity that was given to me. Now I want to I want to emphasize this: my first sermon, uh, ten minute sermon, and max on the scale a D minus or an F. So it was it was not anything to to write home about. Um, but, but you know what I realized, and I look back on those sermons as I was beginning my, my, my I guess, ministry journey. Um, I look back on those, and I realize um, God showed up in those messages. <clears throat> and he showed up in those messages, and people were listening, and I think sometimes he, God, God showed off as well. Um, so those D's and F's I might have taken in high school, but not not speaking from the pulpit, you know. And if I trace back my roots to, to how I am today, here I am today. It started it started back with a conversation I had with someone who believed in me, who stood in front of me and spoke something into my life that um, reality was I had no idea I had. You know, someone once said, "Your life moves in the direction of your words," and. Um, the youth minister at the time at the church I was going to at the time spoke new words over my life. And eventually I believed them and the direction of my life changed forever. And I, I promise you that. Um, three, three really quick points I, I want you to, to write down this morning and I promise I'll be done. Um, but these are three points I, I want you to listen, um, to write down and remember. The first point is this. The, deco- the declaration of your lips contain- can change the direction of someone's life the declaration of your lips can change the direction of someone's life your words have the power to alter the direction of somebody's life i i know they did i know they did because i'm i'm living proof of it right i i wouldn't be up here speaking if if that if that statement weren't true the the second point I, i want you to know this morning when it comes to being generous with your speech and, and in your talk, what, what you magnify, you get more of. What you magnify, you get more of. 1 First, First Thessalonians 5.11, therefore encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. You may not realize this, but every single one of us, we, we carry around an imaginary magnifying glass with us, right? Um, and the question for you today is, what are, you focusing, what are you focusing in on? Are, are you focusing in on the good things in your life or are you focusing in on the bad things in your life? The way you answer this question will usually explain a lot about your relationships with others because what you choose to magnify and focus on, you get more of. If you focus on past mistakes, you're going to get more of that. If you focus on magnifying um, your, uh, your magnifying glass to focus on the ways your relationships aren't working with people, you'll get more of that. What you magnify, you get more of. And that leads me to my third point. If you think of something good, say it. If you think of something good, say it. You know, if you think, if you think a good thought about somebody, let them know. If you want to put your faith in motion, put your words to work. Tell them, encourage them. I believe if we put our words to work as a church, we put our words to work in our community, in our workplaces, in our schools, no matter where we go, we put our faith in the motion when we do that. God will show up and he will show off. I promise you. You know, if we look back on Barnabas' life, we see a man who is an encourager, a man who stood up for people and with no, when no one else believed in, right? What if Barnabas hadn't stood up for Paul? A, a, a per, we need a person who gives the benefit of the doubt. A person, a person who would give people a second chance, right? Barnabas understood that the declaration of your lips can change the direction of someone's life. He understood that if you, you magnify something, when you focus in on it, that's what you're going to get more of. He under, he, and uh, Barnabas also understood that when you have the, that Holy Spirit prompting when you hear that still small voice that he, he didn't wait for someone, he didn't wait to encourage someone, he just said it and he just did it, right? And I'm telling you, if he had a good cell phone and a good data plan, he would have texted it right there and then too. I promise you, right? So many times we pick up our phones and we're, we're quick to, to send texts of, of, uh, of complaining and, and, and did you see that person at church today? Or did you hear what happened at work today? Why don't you try it the other way around? Send an encouraging text. Maybe you saw something positive. Hey, you did a great job today. That was an incredible lesson that you taught. Yeah, that, um, and, and use use your cell phones for for posit- positive things like that, right? Church, let's be generous with our words and with our speech. You see, we need to invest our time very, very well. We need to be generous with our time. We need to be be generous with our talents. And we need to be generous financially with our treasure. But if we really want to put... Our, our faith in motion, we've got to put our words to work. And when we do that, something amazing will happen, I promise you. And just try it today as you leave church today. Try it. it. It just, everything changes, right? And when we do that, our neighborhoods and our cities will never, ever be the same. And this morning, as we come to our response time, maybe you're sitting there and you're like, uh, man, I, I don't, I'm not sure I know how to be generous with my words, Well, I want to invite you up this morning to to come and pray with myself or with our elders, and we'll work on that, right? It doesn't happen overnight if if that's something you struggle with. But uh, maybe um, this morning you're thinking, man, what does a a generous life with Christ look like? Well, it all starts with the waters of baptism. And and if you're looking for new life in Christ or becoming a member of Huntsville Christian Church, I want to encourage you as we stand and sing for our response time to come forward then. or um, Like I said, maybe... Uh, for you, it's, it's just been one of those weeks. Uh, it was a, a tough week. It was difficult. Um, well, our elders are here. Uh, we'd love to pray with you um, or if there's anything going on in your life. So as we stand and sing a response song, um, would you respond accordingly? Thank you for being here this morning. And as you go this week to, to win and to as you go to win and commit to grow this week, I want to encourage you all to be generous in your talk. Remember the three things.